Hey, action. Yeah, action. Action. <laughs> okay, this so Malik gets nervous. See, this guy gets yeah, nervous. Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. So yeah, so Malik, I've only always known you as an investor, entrepreneur, kind of like a business guy, right? But uh, back before when you were, you know, let's go way back, right? Family life. Was your mother, you know, who was your biggest influence in terms of how you became an entrepreneur? Was it your dad or your mom or the people around you or what? Yeah, two people. Um, yeah. First was my dad. Okay. Um, ever since I've known him, he was a businessman of yeah. sorts. Um, and actually, the, the, you know, uh, he was very, uh, very optimistic person. Uh, give you an example: He'll sit by someone on a plane, and we'll get into a business, uh, into a discussion with them, and just on friendly terms. And the, by the time they land, they'll say, "Oh, uh, let's do a deal." Um, and you know, that's where he got his um, his first venture to career services, right? So that's my dad. Uh, my dad was a very sort of very op- optimistic person. Uh, everyone's a good person, and we can we can do we can do business together. So that there was one person. And I remember all my life has been. I was I was following him on on his trips. He went to France. He went to Japan. I, business I had, trips. Business trips. I followed him. He had a lot of principles, um, and uh, I remember being his um, being his uh, receptionist. In a way, I answered all his phone calls and all that, and said, "Oh, hold on a second. He's in. You know, he'll call me back and start taking messages and so on." So I guess I've always um, I've always been in a way uh, in this sort of environment, environment where you know um, work and pleasure, uh, work and uh, personal stuff is all entwined. In, intertwined or entwined um, and uh, and you know and there's no there's blurring of lines so you know, we'll go to we'll go to a, a place and, and and do business or in Singapore but before before going for a meeting we'll have a nice uh, we'll have a nice mirror boss right uh, before we enter the meeting and we which we, we really enjoy that that's the kind of thing the environment I had the second person is my oldest brother um, there's a big age gap between the two of us um, I'm you know there's about at least 20 21 years difference between us that's huge that's huge yeah because I'm from the sort of I guess the second wife um, ah, so, so you know um, and uh, he was the oldest from from in the family uh, from the first wife but he was um, his influence is a bit different he is um, um, his his influence was more in terms of the industriousness. Um, I think there's no harder working person that I know personally than than him. Um, even today, he's seventy four. I think yes, seventy four, and he's going you know, into the office. He leaves for the office at seven, gets back at seven. You know, um, um, and so you know, I guess that was another. You know, and he was very much a kind of like the. You know the details guy, whereas you know uh, as a as a foil to my father, who was the concept guy, the you know the problem solving guy, and then the details guy, who really does a detail problem solving, and um, the details of like you know like how do we get this thing? How do we get? Yeah, we've got this career services deal. Dad, thanks very much. Great, well done uh, from business develop- from getting us this opportunity. But someone has to make it work and make it happen. Um, so that's that was my oldest brother. You mentioned principles, right? Your dad, the, you know, he, he was a man of principles. What kind of principles? Sorry, I meant principles, principles yeah. in the other way, not LES, but uh, principles as ALS, right? So okay. principles here, where you have principle, foreign principles. Oh, of course, of course. You're a distributor to, of some kind. Yeah, so we do some kind. We, I think we were distributing even um, in the 70s, even to Petronas and to S, uh, Exxon, Exxon and to and Shell. Um, we were, they were like drilling equipment um, that, you know, that these oil co- companies drilling in Malaysia needed. 
and we represented some um, principals in France, in Japan, in the US uh, to provide drilling bits. Uh, so how, kind of how, how old were you at the time? I was about, maybe I was in my sort of um, 10, 11, 12 okay. uh, years okay. old. I was sitting, you know, my... So the age of uh, consciousness, right? Age of consciousness, coming yeah. To, coming to your own cognitive awareness, right? Yeah, so I was sitting in the office, um, something like this, sitting, sitting down, typing telexes. In those days, we had something called telexes. We had no faxes at the time. Yeah. And typing telexes, doing quotations and so on. I was probably like a, yeah, a 10-year-old kid, 12-year-old kid doing this sort of thing. So I was an office, yeah. I was an office gopher, right? So that was, that was it kept me occupied, um, kept me occupied during, during, during holidays and, uh, and, and spare time. What kind of conversations did you guys have? Actually, it was interesting. The, the, the conversations were between my father and my brother, and I was sitting in the back oh, of the so car. So your brother was involved in the business as well? Yes, he was. Right? So, well, so father and son, clearly, right? Father and, and son, and, and yeah, and the so, kid at the so, back. Right, the kid at the back. So, <laughs> the kid so, so your dad was the ideas guy, he's yeah. the ideas guy, yeah. and then your brother was kind of the, the operational guy. Yeah, and I was the guy at the back listening to all this and oh, cool, kind of like cool, saying, cool, cool, cool. and bored to death at some point in time. Right, but right, but right. Some, obviously something went in here right? in, yeah, yeah. In, in, those, in those conversations, right? So I just sat at the back of the car, you know, there was, um, you know, not, there wasn't even music. There was just literally just my father and my brother talking uh, about business, and there I was. Right? So, so just like by osmosis, by osmosis, yeah, and um, and it's just you know, yeah. Was this something romantic? But the whole notion, did you like you know the whole autonomy of, of your life? Or there was something the to be said for that. Un, un, unlimited revenue potential of business. No, no. What, what was that? What drove you? There wasn't. I mean, it was a lot of problem solving. So I wouldn't say it okay. was like all you know, sort of uh, all. all all roses, right? Um, a lot of problem solving. I mean, they were they went through the eighty five recession together, okay. and I was you know I was a um, I was a teenager then. Um, but but basically, it was um, you know it wasn't uh, yeah it 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 was by it was by osmosis. Um, sorry, I forgot the question. Oh, my yeah, apologies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, what kind of conversations? What kind of like things happen? To make you so enamored by the entrepreneurial life. Oh, okay. Right? So because a lot of yeah. people did, they just want the stability of a job, yeah, and the, the income, right? So the, yeah, so there was an, the element of independence. Yeah. I think that was that was that came through very very. Um, okay. Whenever you wanted, however you wanted it, as, yeah. in, as in yeah. So you want to stop by for your mirrorbos before your meeting? You go for it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, you wanted to do a bit of shopping before you had a meet before you met some clients. You can you can do that, right? Yeah. Um, you want to, you want a bit of unstructured time after uh, after you know after after a bus- uh, meetings and generally they were just meetings. You know, I I never saw. Well, my brother actually did the, the tenders and quotations and all that, yeah, but I, yeah. my father never really sat down and yeah, kind of like yeah, yeah. did things like that, right? Yeah, yeah. He never really did that. All he yeah. did was just have meetings, yeah. <laughs> you know? And in meetings, if something would have gone and And sometimes I, I would see value being created. I remember this as a uh, I think value being created before my very eyes. You know, I'm like, um, I've seen people come in and say, you know what? Uh, we will do this where we, you know, where we buy at a certain price, and then I've already got a, I've already got a buyer that at, at a higher price already. So basically, my my father and this other his principal were hatching a deal where they could make, you know, just in a matter of like one meeting, yeah. uh, an arbitrage. So there's yeah. an arbitrage there. There's yeah, a margin already. There's a margin, right? Wow, I, I was like thinking, is this how money is being made? You know, it's like, is this how money thinks? Obviously, that you know, ten, you know, nineteen times out of twenty, right? That yeah. didn't that those yeah. meetings came out to nothing. Thing, right? yeah, yeah. But maybe, maybe just that once, right? Um, that something did come out of it, right? So yeah. there was that. There was that element. There were a lot of naive stuff. I mean, I, I, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. There were a lot of naive projects and a lot of naive things that my, my but father got involved. 
what did. tremendous do, right? They make mistakes and then they yeah. pick themselves up and they get going again. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole idea. Yeah. You don't um, stay down, right? Yeah. But I mean, there, there are times when, you know, we, we never did, we never really did the numbers, you know. Um, yeah. we, when we, in, in those days, this was in the 70s and early 80s, you know, when deals come through, oh, let's start a career, you know, um, this career service is in trouble, they need some help. If we were to help you, would you give us some equity? Sure, no problem, we'll give you equity this. Uh, and, uh, but there wasn't more like, oh, is it, is it worth doing? Is so it, due diligence and the due diligence, yeah, let's say, is it worth doing? Is this a big market for career services? Is it this? Is it that? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no such thing. Yeah, 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 yeah sure, yeah, we'll yeah, do it. And then, yeah. and then figure it out. Once, once you got the kind of, yeah, we like it as partners, you solve yeah, our problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, now let's do the numbers. Ah, okay, let's do the numbers <laughs> now, right? Uh, my father was offered, um, again, the, my father was offered the, um, the franchise to do um, the career services in uh, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And he just went, That's huge. Yeah. That's and huge. he just went, uh, Okay, I'll do it. Because, you know, he did, I mean, yeah. he did, he solved a problem in, in, yeah. in, 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 in Malaysia. Yeah. And it was offered the franchise in Saudi Arabia. And my, my dad goes, Okay, that's interesting. I like to do my Hajj and my Umrah and all that. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it in Saudi I'll take the franchise to Saudi Arabia. Oh, here's the amount to do it. Um, okay, I'll put, I'll put in the capital to do it as well. Yeah, so yeah. he did that. He became an, uh, he became a, you know, this is in the early 80s, um, a sort of a franchisee of a, a career service in, um, in, 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 in Saudi. And he was, uh, yeah, I remember he told, telling me, um, you know, Malik, I know. I wasn't with him at the time I was in school, but he said, you know, I, I know our first year of operations, I was, I was literally delivering the parcels by myself. In Saudi, you don't have road, you don't have addresses, you don't have numbers, you just, we're just driving blindly, right? So these are, you know, um, fantastic stories that I yeah. heard. And, and it's, you know, it, it gives you, so it's, it was never, you know, business was never about, really about uh, numbers in those days, right? It was all about just is there an opportunity? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, is it a good opportunity? Does it sound quite good? Yeah, fine. But that got us some. That got us some great wins, but yeah. also some great losses, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, some some things you go into and your eyes are and in front of you know much more experience or or people who are out to get you or are out to con you. Yeah, you get you get hosed pretty badly. Yeah. So I mean, just jumping forward now, mm. right? when, when you look at a new business, and obviously you're much more of a numbers guy um, versus. So how much? How much emphasis should you play on put on numbers, and how much emphasis should you put on on gut feel? Because a lot of the old timers, they put a lot of emphasis on the way they feel about the business. Mm. They don't do any analysis, right? Especially the China the Chinaman entrepreneurs, they just have a gut feel. Mm. Are you a gut feel guy or a numbers guy? Which I'm both. One is? Yeah. I'm both. Yeah. I start off with gut feel. Yeah. Okay. Right, so do you want to do radio? Do you want to do uh, uh, online insurance? Right. Yeah. Gut feel. Gut feel yeah. first. Gut feel first. Gut feel first. And but, but before I sign on a dotted line, you look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. So if you're yeah. if you're a budding entrepreneur, how would you convey gut feel? What what is gut feel? So to a certain extent, it's a sense of um, it's a sense of whether the product you're trying to introduce, the service you're try, trying to introduce, yeah. are you solving a problem, a real problem, not a problem of your own figment of imagination, uh, or your own personal individual okay, so problem. So it always starts with a problem. And yeah. An yeah. omission in the industry. Yes. Or right. like an imbalanced industry. Yes. So okay. look at radio, for example, right? Okay. Is there a problem? There was a problem in radio at the time. All the all the all the formats of radio were geared towards entertainment and to a lot a lot, a lot of people say to me, trivial stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you're sitting in the road, you know, two hours a day and all you're listening is gotcha calls and, and people cackling away, right? Uh, laughing at their own jokes. And that was a real problem because yeah. people were get people like yourself were yeah. getting bored. Yeah, no and question. Like, and, and and you know, iPods were coming and people say I was switching off to to listen yeah. to my yeah. podcast even yeah. those days, right? So there is a problem to be solved. The problem yeah. was what well, there was a, nothing substantive. So then came you know the kind of like all right, I can provide something substantive. I have yeah. a concept here that can provide something substantive. Yeah. Do the numbers work? Yeah. After that, right? So yeah. you know, so first get the feedback on whether feedback on whether. 
it is something that people want, right? Yeah. And then the the answer was the answer was maybe if it's not too boring, right? That was the feedback that I got. It could yeah. be dry, Malik. That's yeah. my only. The people yeah. who objected to it objected to the fact that it could be dry. Right? How Aware. much? And then how much crowdsourcing in terms of opinions do you get? You know, general sometimes there's an analysis paralysis, right? Yeah, of course. You have too much, you have too much comments, and you don't know whether you're coming or going. Yep. Right. And some people they just move. They don't, yep. they don't care too much. You know, Steve Steve Jobs was a bit like that, right? Mm. He just whatever he felt, he just did it. Yep. Um, well, so for me, there is an element that the feedback loop is important, right? But it doesn't dominate. Meaning, okay. so there is a there is a sense like okay. okay. So I, I like to go. I like to peel the onion a little bit more. Where I hear people give me feedback. Okay. Right? So they say, oh no, no, business won't work. So do you stop there? No, I peel the onion. Why? Why do you say that business won't work? And, and the kind of things I'm I'm looking for. I'm looking for adjectives that they are they are saying back to me. And the yeah. adjectives that came back was boring. Okay. Right. So okay. those are the things that I look for. I look okay. for adjectives. Okay. Boring. It's uh, dry. This. So like ah okay now now I understand. I, it's not so much that it's business, but it's because it's it, not entertainment. It's not entertainment. Yeah. It's dry. It's boring. So if I were to do business, I need to make sure that it's not dry. It's not boring. Yeah. And there's an entertainment. There's a slight entertainment slash. Yeah. Um, something else that okay. makes it ele- elevates it from being dry and boring. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So like it's likewise with um, online insurance, which I'm involved in now. Right? Yeah. Again, yeah. what what's what's the problem? The problem is the products are the the, the margins are nuts. It's 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 not it's not nuts consci- good or nuts bad. No, it's it's unconscionable, right? Nuts to good. Me, unconscionable. Nuts yes. unconscionably good. Uh, yeah, unconscionably good for people who are, you know who are agents right and that's fine because yeah. the agents are they always say insurance is is sold and not bought so therefore to reward the fact that you're selling something which is quite complex yeah or or needlessly complex yeah um, that you when you're selling this you have a lot of you know you have to persuade someone to sign a dotted line to a commitment for like 15 20 years yeah. that you you know you pay them a, a, an immense margin yeah. to achieve that right yeah. and industry margins are about over the life of the policy is about 180% of premiums in, yeah. in, in yeah. life insurance right Correct. 180% of premium uh, annual premiums so but in the insurance industry that's seen as that's that's fair reward because it's so hard to persuade people but how it's about, not really though but how, yeah. yeah but how about persuading people through another method yeah. persuading people through not selling but yeah. through marketing through yeah. through through um, product right yeah. Um, yeah. how about selling a simpler product don't yeah. sell the complex complex stuff yeah, yeah. how about taking a more uh, a, a, a smaller margin on these things, yeah. right? But get leave, leave a lot of money on the table for the consumer. Yeah. Yeah. So, is there a problem? Yes, there is a problem. What people are saying is that insurance is complicated. It doesn't have to be. Mm. Um, what people are saying is, I don't. Two thirds of people do not want to see agents. Why? Because they feel pressured. Mm. Uh, they feel pressured. They feel that they're being sold, right? So it doesn't have to be. So there is a problem. Then I go back and say, then I look at the numbers and say, all right, now there is a problem to be solved. Mm. Um, there is a gut feel here, but does, do the numbers work out? And the numbers work out? Okay, let's go for it. You know, work out meaning yeah. it doesn't have to be like, wow, it has to be a, a slam dunk. No, yeah. it has to be a, 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 a good, um, you know, there's a good, good, good attempt. If you can get to it, it's a decent return. If, if there's a good attempt, that's fine. Let's go for it. So the starting point is always the, um, the noticing of an omission or like a, imbalance in industry which you think can be corrected yeah. and then beyond that the gut field and then of course a bit of analysis yeah. a bit of crowdsourcing for, for feedback and yeah. then the, the courage to go for it right yeah. so yeah. I know of you um, because you, you, you I think you did law and then you went and joined the corporate sector you did a bit of Maxis you did a bit of Job Street you did a bit of Boston Consulting 
um, high-income jobs, right? So, first of all, um, how did you muster up the courage to leave a well-paying job to go into the unknown world, the murky world of entrepreneurship? And in the first place, how much um, of a of an obstacle was the lack of capital? Because I'm I'm, I'm assuming you're not a money you're not a mm. you're not from an upper middle class like wealthy you know millionaire background, right? Mm. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it was a leap. It was it yeah. was I mean, because courage. A lot of people, the people get stopped out of courage. They yeah. don't have the balls to do it, right? No. Yeah. So first, I guess um, uh, I, I I was in my early thirties, right? Yeah. And when you're in your early thirties, anything possible. Anything's possible, right? You don't you don't think about the consequences. Right? Yeah. You're like, um, you you. There's there's not enough fear uh, around a thirty a thirty something. Were you uh, married by then? Sorry. Yes, yeah. I was married by then. Yeah. Children by then? No. Right. Okay, so that's yeah. a good thing, right? That's a good thing. I mean, at least in terms of perspective of not having right. fear. In terms of not having too many dependents on yeah, you. Many, yeah, that's right. So, so you know, when we're, you, you remember when we were in our 30s, right? We're just like, you know, fearless, right? Yeah. Just go for it, go yeah. things like that, right? And then... Yeah. Answer's always yes, there's never yeah. no. Right? Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, and then over time, then you, you know, wisdom comes and then you like go, oh, shoot, you know, I did, I went in there without even da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. But I think, but still there are people who do not do that, who don't take the leap even at that, at that time when you're comfortable, you have things. I think the biggest thing I've learned um, over time is don't let lifestyle catch up with you. Don't let your, your, the expenses of your lifestyle sort of, you know, sort of in a way be, go in tandem with your income. Because yeah. then if that's the case, it's really hard to go back to entrepreneurship. You're yeah. an investment banker, you're earning 40,000 ringgit a month. Your expenses are 35,000 ringgit. To go entrepreneurship, you have to go, do, go back down to 15 or 10. Yeah. Right? Which, are you able to do that? Right? Yeah, you can't. That, I think that's the tough part. If and that, that's the thing I've learned is that once you let your lifestyle catch up with you, then you then you're then, then it's really hard to make this decision, right? So, um, I my whether I was fortunate or unfortunate, I had this this uh, I shifted at a very early age, right? So yeah. you know, I was in my early thirties. I left a good paying job in Wasn't Kathmandu Group, earning twenty twenty k something a month. And that is still um, a huge time, salary till yeah, today. At the time, and you know, and then when I went into I, you know, I when I went into this, my salary was probably about ten thousand or something like that. I, I still got a salary um, from from the capital I raised, um, but but then you know I learned very early uh, at that stage when I shifted to my first job, the, my first entrepreneurial gig, that my lifestyle um, had to adjust. Right, so that was the adjustment happened at a very very early stage, and then I joined, and then you know that that my first venture didn't pan out. Joined Job Street under Mark, someone called Mark Chang, and of Job Street fame. Of Job Street fame, and you know, and if He's you know, out, uh, and if you know, if you know what Mark Chang is like in terms of money, you learn very, very quickly that my gosh, you know, if you're talking about managing your lifestyle, so you don't, it doesn't catch up. Mark is the, you know, the, the doyen of that, the right? Of <laughs> that, so you learn pretty quickly, yeah, yeah how to yeah. sort of you know make sure that that that's the case, right? Even so, today, my wife is like saying, you know, what, like you you are. Uh, we're we're okay now, you know. You can you can you can buy something for yourself. You yeah. know, it's all right. You can buy a nice car if you want to. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 kind of thing. So there's a life lesson there, Malay. Yeah. Because until today, I know you as a simple guy. You don't have a nice watch. I don't think you even have a car in Malaysia. You don't. No, I don't. You don't have a car. Yeah. You grab it everywhere. Um, I think you know, I asked you this before. Your only extravagance is your smartwatch because it, it, it gives you some kind of value in terms of how much exercise you do. Mm. And that's about it. And your devices, but but your devices make you uh, more productive. Yeah, they're not that expensive. I mean, it's about yeah, yeah. So even that, even that. Or something like that, right? So, so there's a life lesson there. So austerity is one thing. Keeping control of your of your habits is another. For the entrepreneur, how important is that? So um, I think 
one thing that I've learned as I got older yeah. is that... And at, at what point in time does it become counterproductive? Because you can be the stingy, miserly old guy yeah. who's worth a few hundred million, mm. but then doesn't spend his money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it depends what you want. I mean, it really depends on the person, right? Some people yeah. like cigars. I don't, so, I don't smoke. You know, so I, so then why do you make money? What what is the raison d'etre for that? I don't know. I'm I'm um maybe not necessarily you, but as a yeah. psychoanalytical um, dilemma. Yeah. Why do people work so hard with the business that they and get as rich as they do, and then be complete misers about it? No, I I wouldn't say I, I'm not not that you are, yeah, but yeah. but there's a there's an interesting case study here. So for me, the psychoanalytic stuff is basically I want to provide for my family the best way I can, right? So having reserves, a cash balance that I can sort of. Um, I can sort of you know bequeath, uh, make sure that they're okay and so on. Not necessarily bequeath, but you know, but make sure that they're okay and, uh, and be able to like sort of say, all right, you know, that I can provide for them until they're eighteen or twenty-one. Even I mean, you know, when, when they go to university, that is a big, huge motivator, right? Yeah. And that's not necessarily being miserly. That's just being, being just like being a uh, being a responsible, father, right? yeah, being, being a responsible father. parent, right? So, do I need? Uh, I do not need. For some reason, I I have never had an affinity towards. Um, um, this brands being you know being marketed to us all the time, right? I have never affinity for watches. I don't have affinity for pens, um, even fa- even fancy cars. I never, yeah. no affinity yeah. for those things. I I'm know what, tra- yeah. I, th- I know what turns you on. I know business turns you on. I know investments turn you. On. I know analyzing stocks turns you on. Yeah, which is quite geeky, but it's quite cool in a way. Yeah. Well, I, I like I like to uh, nothing get, gets better feeling. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's like. Um, it's like when you buy a stock at X and you you know and it's now at eight X. That's yeah. a nice feeling, right? Yeah, that's it's, a really good fix, right? Yeah, yeah, and and that's why I aim for. And it's the same feeling as I'll tell you what is the same feeling. It's the same feeling when I grow a plant, yeah. and the plant comes up with seeds, and I I, I take six pots from Sungai Bulo in those days, six seven pots where yeah. we plant those seeds. I get yeah. six plants, yeah. right? Yeah. And when I left my home, this you know although each plant you know I can sell, I, I sold it actually yeah. for yeah. 40, 50 ringgit each. Yeah. But the satisfaction. From knowing that from one plant, you can get six plants yeah. and sell it at you know the price that you <coughs> bought it at. It, it's a it's it's not it's not monetary. It's just yeah. more that satisfying feeling that money grows on trees, right? That's yeah, like yeah. or you buy a stock that is quite you know, X and then it goes to six X, eight X, ten X. You're like, yes, I made a right call, yeah. and 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 you know, and I don't have to um, have a sleepless night over it, right? Yeah. So that's a big. Uh, it's not pecuniary. It's it's just the satisfaction of knowing that your bet your bet was right. There's something Darwinian about that. I'm not I'm not exactly sure what they what term they call it, but it's quite it's quite evolutionary. It's quite um, I don't know. It's, it's quite uh, ancient in that respect, right? Yeah. It's to be proven right. Things, yeah. To know, be proven right. right. So, yeah, so the self the affirming that feeling of affirmation. Yeah. In terms of what you've done and how much brain yeah. power you put into it, how much effort. Yeah. Then it comes out with yeah. reward, right? Yeah. So so BFM is like that, right? Yeah. So so, so, so business were, is like that. Business yeah. you plant seeds and it comes out. Yeah. And the, the naysayers side. and you like the naysayers of business is drive money. Don't do this. Do something else. Do yeah. something something yeah. simpler. Yeah. Do do a Chinese radio station. Do yeah. this. Do that. Yeah. Like yeah. no, I want to do this, right? Because there is a there is a there is a national agenda as well to it. And then when you kind of when you bring a product to market and you're proven right, yeah. it's a it's a it's a 
it's something you can't quantify. Like yeah. yes, you know, I I, I had a hunch. Yeah. Uh, I tried to validate that hunch, but you never can be sure. And then you put yeah. it to market, and then suddenly it gets accepted. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. know, like yeah. yes, people like it, right? There's so, something fantastic about that. Right? Yeah, something nice yeah. feeling about it. So now it's online insurance. Let's see, right? So I'm going to do that and see. If this is a hunch. It doesn't sound that. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So um, I had a hunch about my first venture, which was KL Classified. So it was a classified paper, um, and the idea was, you know, whilst waiting for internet to catch up, we do a classified paper first, right? Basically, you all your classifieds, you know, what, you know, and you, you put it on. Um, and, but, you know, that hunch, uh, that hunch I was so unsatisfying because I never saw to the end of that, right? Yeah. Because the Asian financial crisis came. I could never, I could never tell until today, was it because of the product? Was it because of Asian financial crisis, right? Well, I'll tell you the answer now because um, you were ahead of your time because John Medeski, he came in, he, he comes in and he's, what, he, he's a billionaire, right? Yep. Reading Football Club chairman, he mm. comes in, he does motor trader. Yep. He does it and does it really well. Yeah. Churns money like it's going out of fashion. Yeah. And then just before the um, the second financial, just before the dot com crash, he gets out, sells it to the Japanese for two hundred million bucks, mm. ring it, mm. and then bombs your uncle because mm. after that the whole care, the, the whole print classified business goes down the yeah. drain. Yep. <laughs> it's yeah, crazy. Exactly. So general, interestingly, John Medeski. John yeah, Medeski, yeah. He made an offer for for my first venture. Yeah. yeah. Classified. Yeah. yeah. So and, and you silly walked. me, like, I yeah. walked. Unfortunately, hmm. I should have just said yes. But he was going to be a tough negotiator anyway. He was going to be a real yeah. asshole. Yeah, right. Yeah, he he f had blinded me for you know for doing something that you know yeah. accused me of doing something that. But it's okay. It's, it's that's that's you know the, we call them the M twenty five entrepreneurs, right? You Wait, understand the expression. Would, the M25 around, around, oh, yeah, around, yeah, around circular, London, right? right. So, yeah. so basically, you see all those, that industrial belt, right? So yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, yeah, he's one of those that, he came from a sales, yeah. rough sales yeah. line, so yeah, he goes for it. Just say going into your um, fatherhood hat now, right, mm. Money? Because um, I think a lot of traditional Asian entrepreneurs want to bequeath something for their children, want to sort them out. <clears throat> but then equally, there's a point of view that uh, you sh- one shouldn't um, mm. bequeath too much to one's children. One shouldn't give them too much of a nest egg, not even give them the feeling that they are sorted out because they might turn out to be quite, mm. do you know what I mean? Yep. If they don't turn out right, it can be uh, negatively yes. uh, correlated. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Because yep. they, they grow up spoiled and, and they feel entitled yep. and then they don't work hard. Yep. So how do you handle that? Because they can tell that you're doing all right now, right? Yeah. I struggle with that, right? Yeah. So I, I struggle with it. But all I can say now is that um, at where we are right now, yeah, um, they would still have to have put, put their own blood, sweat and tears. Um, so how do you so, convey, what kind of conversations do you have with your kids? So the conversation I have, I have is like, you know, you're basically, yeah, you have to, it's based on your own merit. Um, you, this is, it's not about, you know, there's, there's no trust fund here. Right. Um, so what do you dad, do with your money? Dad, mean, what, dad, what do you tell them? Well, what I tell them, what I do is there uh, might be different things. Yeah. But what I would do as a father, what yeah. I would do is this. I remembered, right? Um, what I would do is this. And that's what happened to me as well. Um, you know, I I would make sure that education is okay. No problems at okay. all. You know, so you how, give them I, the uh, base, yeah? Base, however far you want to go. It's not, you know, so for example, yeah, I want to do, I want to do a first degree. Then I want to do a master's, right? Um, I'll, I'll support it all the way, right? As, as far as I can. Um, secondly, um, unless you were like one of those serial, you know, serial uh, academic, right? Yeah. They were like, you know, hang on a second, like this, <laughs> yeah. uh, get a job, um, get a real job. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, get a job, even in academia, no problem, but get a job, right? Yeah. Don't just study all your life. Um, but the second thing I'll do in this sort of very high, you know, sort of very 
you, you know how hard it is to get on the to have a uh, to have a roof over your own heads, right? Yeah. Um, I would I would uh, would yeah. you support the down payment? You support the down you payment. Down, right? yeah, I would okay. support the At least you know you, you do you take care of the you got to take care. Of, you have to have your own responsibility. Your own your responsibility is to buy you know to pay the installments and all that. But down payment, given the the state of the market it is, and I feel very I feel very hard for people who can't do this. Yes, um, I'll help you with the down payment. You know you can pay me back later or something. You don't have you know, but, but, but that's my gift, right? Yeah. Then it's yeah. up to you to take it on from there. Yeah. So that's the kind of balance that I guess always looking at right and then and then when you say what about what about what if there was anything left over after you know, to to bequeath after that Correct. i quite like mark chang i spoke to mark chang about this yeah, a little bit yeah, right? he yeah. goes i'll look like this very hard lah. you know i wouldn't give a single cent yeah maybe i'll consider so he, he's on the same ilk yeah, yeah he's on the same he, yeah. he says maybe you know maybe i'll put a sum aside and uh, to, to bequeath to them when they're 50 years old right that's interesting that's interesting you bequeath yeah. them at 50 years old that means you bequeath a certain sum when you're 50 years old because if you haven't made it by then, right? You'll never buy it. You're never really gonna make it. Yeah. But here's something just to make you live for, yeah. you know, something that you can live on for the rest of your life, right? Or by the time you you're doing something with your life, you've okay, great, that's a nice bonus. If you made it, uh, that's a nice bonus. Thanks, Dad. Kind yeah. of thing, right? So it's interesting. I'm still toying with the idea. I'm not sure yeah. whether I like it one way or the other. But giving someone something at 25 years 25 years old something, nah, no, yeah. that's that's well, not that's not it's not a it's not a right. You know? And yeah. and I think a lot of it is not so much. I think it's to inculcate that yeah. uh, in them. Um, um, so, what kind age. of things do you tell them? What kind of like subtle nuances or what kind of subtle messages? How do they see you behave on a day-to-day basis? Are you constantly so, working? So what they kind of things do you tell them? So they don't see me spend a lot. They're, yeah. Sorry, they don't see okay. me spend. Okay. Right? So there's, there's, a, there's some austerity about you. Yeah, okay. it's austerity. You know, every time they buy something okay. and they, they put it on the. So you're watching. You're watching. So they're yeah, learning um, from that. Watching. In supermarkets, when you're when you're buying something and they okay. come back and say, "Yeah, I like to buy this," and then uh, and they'll ask how much, and they'll go, "I don't know." I say, "Well, you know what to do." So they go off. They Fantastic. Come back, okay. They come back and then if it's like more than what I think it's worth, and I, I so that's a bit expensive. Okay. Your okay. your budget is two dollars. Okay. And they go, oh, okay, yeah, this three fifty. Okay, I'll go find something for two dollars. Okay, then they go off, right? Okay. Um, in their daily expenses, I guess I give them an allowance of a, a you know, what we we work together to in terms of like saying, okay, how much we need a week? All right, here's here's how much I need. I need that. Okay, here's and then what about you know what about uh, you know contingencies? Okay, here's another five dollars of contingency. Okay, fine. This is what you do a week. You stick with that. You stick yeah. with that budget. Something extra special like you know you have a you have a, uh, you have a school trip and you want to buy extra lunch. No problem. Then we can I can top it up and so on every now yeah. and then but yeah. otherwise it's all within this budget so everyone has a has a budget and it's interesting money m- money habits already sort of I can tell already the, the propensity of different children to money how they look at money you know I have one one child who literally uh, every week the, the bank account is almost zero the uh, one child the bank account is never touched you know, and basically he just you know he just takes food from the from the food from the house and eats at school. Another child's halfway in between. Sometimes yeah. you know uh, takes food from home, but also likes the occasional treat for himself by going to the uh, um, uh, going to, going to the shopping center and have has his favorite ramen. You know, so I, I, it's really interesting to see to see the different spending habits of the different children. So the kid was a bit more of a spender. Yeah, do you spend more time with him? Um, I do you try and you know try to inculcate more of those values? So I, I, I yeah. So that is my. Do you take him aside and, say, and whisper that, in his ear and, and say that things? is my project right now. Yeah, that yeah. is my project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
That is our project, my wife and I. That's interesting. Yeah. So the, the wife and all this, right? Yep. She must she must be very supportive because you have sacrificed so much for the business. Mm. You don't live at home. I mean, I think Monday to Friday you're away because mm. I think they live in Singapore. Yep. So the path of a journey, the path of an entrepreneur is one that is fraught with sacrifices. Mm. And you basically made the decision to put your family in Singapore, where it's much more stable politically, um, much safer from a you know from a burglary perspective, to do your business in Asia, in Malaysia, where it's maybe a bit more high growth but a bit more cowboy as well, right? Mm. Um, so how does the wife sit in this equation? The whole, because there's this fatherhood, mm. right? And then there's parenthood, and then there's your, your dad above, which you talked about, but then it's also your wife, the, the, mm. the partner in all this. Yeah, um, it's, it's nuanced, right? So, yeah. I mean, the fact that you're not around. Yeah. Uh, for So she's cool with that, right? Um, not initially, right? Because okay. she had to give up a career. Well, um, she was, not so much giving up a career, but more towards not being there, right? When you we, not being there, not me not being there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you know, sort of. I remember my my youngest was born in two thousand seven. I started there yeah. in two thousand eight. Yeah, right. It's so, been a good ten years, more yeah, than ten years. Yeah. So my 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 third child, then basically I only saw him during weekends, right? Um, yeah. So that was, and I wasn't around Monday to Fridays. You know, now it's only you know now I'm around you know sort of you know Tuesday to Fridays, but still at the time. So I think there was a period where I think there was some resentment at the fact that I'm in KL, yeah, um, doing you know doing business and and, and yeah. so on. Yeah. Yet I'm not fulfilling in a way some part of my uh, part of my parental responsibilities, right? In terms of like just being there. You know, it's not things are not so you can't so you know parenthood is not but you can't compartmentalize it to say you know what oh you know um, things that. Uh, Things only happen when you know during you know during during the weekends. No, things happen all the time. You know, emergencies happen here and there. Right, and she's around. solo, fending it all off. Yeah, that's right. So I think there was there's that element of uh, there's an element of resentment for that, right? So which we have to resolve, lah. We we think so. Yeah. One way one way of resolving it for me for me was that there was a point in time where my weekend basically was I was I was the kind of like you know. I said, okay, right. Um, I'll take over the kids yeah. for the whole weekend, yeah. from uh, from sunrise to sunset, right? Yeah. So that's that. That was me. So I, yeah. I took the three kids, um, you know, sort of do activities a weekend. My wife didn't have to do anything over the weekend. Yeah. Um, so that was one way of compromising, um, and that's one way. But after a while, it be, it became a little bit more. It became easier because the kids grew up a little bit more. They became a bit more routine. Now I'm not sure whether yeah. uh, now I'm not sure whether my wife likes me when I'm back home during weekdays. <laughs> yeah. She's like, no, why don't you just stay there? I think yeah. I'm, I'm, I have my routine now and yeah. so on. So now we, it's kind of like ingrained, right? Yeah. But the initial stages when we had young children, um, th- um, you know, sort of, especially when my youngest was just born, that was a yeah. bit, that was a bit tougher. That was a bit tougher on everyone. Yeah. So a lot of sacrifices, Malik. You know, from from from, and I know you're not the kind, but for a normal person, sacrificing one's lifestyle, sacrificing one's um, time with children, sacrificing one's um, you know, career prospects, real or imagined, right? Uh, sacrificing one's time with, with spouse. Mm. It's a huge sacrifice. And a lot of people don't realize that the entrepreneurship comes with a whole bunch of sacrifices because mm. people see the success stories, they mm. see the money, they see the, the glamour, they see the private jets, but they don't see the, the tough side of it. Mm. Do, you think, do you think more... Um, you know, more awareness or, or more, more of a reality check should be in place. Yeah, no? That's right. You know, People you should just do it anyway. Yeah, I think, you on, know. On, on the balance it, of everything, all the conveniences. Yeah, on the balance of everything, right? So you're always working for, you know, you're, at the end of the day, you're working for, the, you know, working for yourself, you're working for the family, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're trying to create a better future for everyone, right? Yeah. So in a way, you know, it's, um, 
uh, you know, what's the ideal scenario? The ideal scenario is, um, you know, one one is a one gives you the one one spouse gives you a stable income. The yeah. other one goes for the option value, right? Yeah, right. The entrepreneur stuff, that's right? right? So that's that's, right. that's the ideal scenario. Yeah. But yeah. hey, you know, when you have kids, that's not necessarily yeah. going to be the case, right? Yeah. Um. So you just have to figure figure it out. Like for me, um, I know that I cannot be an investment banker. I cannot yeah. be. Uh, a lawyer. I can't sit down there and you know, and I can't play corporate games. I, you know, I, I. You can't do those things because you don't. Um, I just don't. You know, life is too short. Uh, you be, wanna, you wanna scratch that itch. You wanna no, see whether your so intuition is it's correct. Just that, no, it's just that I think you know, in the in the corporate world, a lot of people do not because it's good for the company. You know, you know we talk okay. about this. Way. Okay, the, so the, the best interest of shareholders, best interest of the company. No, that's people bullshit. Do, bullshit. bullshit. People doing best best interest of their own careers. That's right. Right. Your your your. the shareholders. Huh? All the shareholders. Well, actually, no. But yeah. there's there's, a, there's an agency problem between shareholders and managers, right? Okay. Managers do it before for their own careers, okay. right, and their own okay. stock options. Right, um, shareholders do it. Uh, shareholders want the best best returns and so on. And then you have an employee group as well. So everyone squeezes employees. Um, you know, um, man- managers squeezes employees so they can yeah. get better. So so it's a very, to me, you, there's a lot of corporate games. And I, I don't like working for people who really are not who do not have the best interests of their people of their people or their company in that sense. You know, they're only they're only out out in it for themselves. And that's. This, that's what the word politics come in, right? And I, when I see that, I see, and I can, I can smell it from a mile away. When someone's doing something just to further their own career, I'm like, you know what? I, mm. I, have, I have more dignity than that to work for your career, yeah, right? I yeah. want to work for something higher, a higher, a higher, a higher purpose than that, right? So, so, to what extent should a business or the business that you choose to do have a higher purpose? Or, or have a common good or like a win-win for the environment, for the people, because that's what business is today. It's mm. evolved along a, a great deal so from I'll the 70s. A, I'll give you a, a simple example of a company that um, that <coughs> could have had a higher purpose, right? Or, or a short example, example of a manager who had a higher purpose. Um, there was this lady called Sue Decker, right? I was okay. working for Yahoo at the time. Yeah, yeah the she lo- was one of the early fem- female CEOs of a dot-com. Susan Decker, right? She was CFO of Yahoo. Okay. Yeah, she okay. wasn't a CEO. Okay. okay. Um, she was CFO at the time when I when I was at Yahoo in Singapore. Yeah. Now the country management uh, of of Singapore was just sales driven. It's like numbers, numbers, numbers. Even your product guys, right, trying to build products. It's like how can you build products that generate money today? Because yeah. and I'm like, wow, so such a emphasis on numbers. Why? Because the country manages no, no, country's manager's remuneration is based on sales and sales numbers. Oh, so every right? single product no wonder. had to generate numbers, right? So I was like running around telcos trying to do this uh, mobile, trying to do mobile product, download games, download this. Why? To to make sure that the local managers meet their numbers. So I felt that I was being part of someone's trying to you know burnish someone's career, right? Yeah. And remuneration. Yeah. Right? Contrast that. that. So I thought this was the culture. Then Sue Decker came uh, from Sunnyvale yeah. and came visited Singapore. And she came for a, a, a town hall and a meeting. I remember that meeting. I was like, so I sat down and I was half expecting her to kind of like say, what are the numbers for this quarter? What number? We want you to achieve these numbers for the year in terms of sales and dollars and cents. Instead, she turned around and said something like, when someone asked a question about the numbers, um, what about sales we had to achieve and so on, she says, Hey, that's not. Don't worry about that. That's my job. Wall Street and their expectations and what numbers we achieve. That's my job. Your job is to make sure that we have great products that that we can that will generate users and 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 
um, and stickiness and so on that will happen in five years, right? That's your job. Your job is a five-year horizon, ten-year horizon. Build us those products, right? Let me worry about let me worry about the dollar numbers. So was there a lesson to be learned for the budding entrepreneur there? Huge it, it, lesson. Yeah. Huge lesson. The huge lesson is that you know there are there are different stakeholders, right? And and but. To build for some companies, I mean, to me, even the, in today's age, product is a key. The the biggest success factor is the product. You know, Yahoo did not have a great product at that time. We had search, but it it, it comp- pale in comparison to Google, right? Um, we had banner advertising, but that was people preferred search. Right? Yeah. So. Um, and then so, there was email that was buggy and slow, and buggy, full yeah. of full of uh, spam, yeah. clearly. So. I think so. Our job was to to either repair or build future products on that, right? Yeah. But in a way, I guess what I'm trying to say is that the the local management was very geared towards your own careers and your own remuneration, right? So this is where I find in corporates that if you really, you know, I I you there's this uh, there's this disconnect between sort of what what is in the best interests of the company, the shareholders, employees, and uh, and the best interest of people running those companies sometimes. Yeah. You know, basically because you're working actually for people's careers, you're not actually working for the bad company's best interests. So on to the subject of, of the business that you run. I mean, your main business remains BFM, the radio station, right? For now. Um, for now. For now. Um, no long, although I'm no longer in sort of correct, day-to-day management. Day-to-day management. When it comes to managing people, what do you find is the most important thing for them? And this is quite a, again, a, quite a intellectually uh, uh, thorny question because intuitively you would say it's salary, right? Remuneration. But it's not always. So in your experience, what drives people to do as best as they can? I think if, and I, I think suddenly for, when I, I'm putting myself back time in, in terms of being an employee, employee mm-hmm. it's working for, working for great bosses that's one, and surrounded by great people, right? I'm I'm very motivated by the person I work for. Um, if they exhibit, you know, if they exhibit qualities that I would like to learn, um, I like to emulate something, emulate perhaps, then I'll do that. I mean, those are the kind of you know, those, I love working for great bosses. Um, and what I are love some of the qualities that you look for? Um, some of the qualities, um, sort of in a way, humility. Um, be, being open to so humility ideas. as your first answer is quite interesting because some people might say oh intelligence or wisdom or experience or knowledge but you say humility why one of them I mean, not necessarily the highest no, not yeah. another one is for example um, just being you know maybe the biggest the biggest one for me is yeah. um, the ability to listen yeah I mean yeah. not just listen okay listen yeah peel the onion and listen yeah. You know, and I think that's a quality of great, great uh, managers. They listen. They um, before they, they they don't jump to conclusions. Um, you know, they kind of like sit down and they kind of like listen to what you're trying to say. Customers are saying this. They listen, and then you can tell how well they listen by they saying, "Okay, did the customer list, uh, Did the customer say this because of this? Did the customer list say this because of that?" They go into details and they try to peel the onion. They try to find the adjectives I mentioned about. What are the adjectives that describe our product? What is the adjective that describe that? Or, you know, that kind of thing. So I think those are the, the biggest quality of any leader to me is the ability to listen. Of course, after some point, you are so far removed from the action, right? That 
the only yeah. way that you can fi- feel feel the feels either you know it's like you know do your rounds you know and so on or you you speak to your managers and really and your front line and just really listen so as the company gets bigger as it grows and grows in terms of hierarchy how do you ensure that the people that you hire to become managers and senior managers and you know have that those values so that it gets inculcated because you know management is a tough thing yeah um, getting a, a, the right workforce is a tough thing yeah right so the right talent is a big thing in Asia because it's thin yeah good so, people are hard to come by so for one you know make sure that those qualities I, I, I look for managers who listen right that's the you know, and, and 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 no one gets it 100% correct the first day right so you you you've been working with them and you try to point out opportunities where they could have listened or you could have listened right so um, that's the kind of thing you you work together with them we managers don't come pop up just like that you work with them for a while uh, like like at BFM you know I've worked for Mira for about 10 years yeah. right so and you know I've I've seen her listen I've seen the times when she hasn't listened right so that's so then we have a conversation about yeah. you know those kind of things right so um, so I think that's the that's the um, uh, to me, it's working with your managers and not just plunking them in. I, I, yeah. I, I, the, the time I feel the most riskiest ever is to bring someone from the outside to lead your current team. That to me, it's hugely. Um, it's I, I, I do not like doing that. Yeah. Uh, so they, because they don't feel the culture, they don't they feel don't the culture and so on. And, and we've done it before. I've done it before with job. I mean, I've been part of that process in Job Street. Where we've brought in people from the outside, just kind of like to lead a country or lead yeah, this, yeah. and it, you know, hmm. at the end of the day, if you look at the jobs with management, at yeah. the end of the day, they're all yeah. home, they're all homegrown, they're yeah. all in yeah. in house, right? Talent, you know, people we brought from the outside never kind of like truly worked out, you know, yeah. you know that kind of thing. Right? Uh, so I, remember I used to work for Reuters, and then they brought in after like dozens and dozens of years of just hiring journalists from within the ranks to become CEO yeah. then they hired this American investment banker named Tom Closer mm. then from there it just went in the complete state of disarray mm. <laughs> so sometimes yes maybe there's uh, there's a reason for a strategic shift in strategic direction yeah. you want you know you want someone from coming from a different different area altogether but um, but I think just in terms of you know it's good to it's good to give first preference to those guys who, who know the culture and so yeah. on right now unless yeah. you are doing you are really trying to change the company you're going for something radical you're going from like Nokia you're going from boots rubber boots to technology right then, yeah. then something else gives right? so then the path from um, 5 people to 10 people 10 people to 30 people 30 people to 50 people there's, there's, there's teething pains every stage of the journey right mm. from cash flow to hiring to meeting bills to collections to brand equity uh, what kind of lessons can you give on those fronts? Um, so, um, what I've what I've learned. What were what, the big milestones, right? The big milestones for me. Well, to me, it's something. Um, there's there's something called. Uh, to me, once a firm gets to a certain size or yeah. a group gets to a certain size, yeah. you need to make it break it down to smaller groups, yeah. to smaller sizes that you can manage, right? So, um, I. I'm told this story by my father, okay. who was an immigration officer uh, in Singapore. Yeah. Right? He was uh, employed by the colonial service. Um, for um, people coming from Indonesia um, to to sell their hawk, their kropo and everything for the day, um, in or maybe for a couple, it wasn't a day, it was for about two, three days in Singapore. It spent like two, three days, a ship will come in, 
they'll all be in, you know everyone will be kind of like ferries will come in and they want to go into Singapore shores and sell their wares for about two three days and then yeah. they but my job my father's job to make sure every single one of them gets yeah. back on that sh- on that ferry yeah. back to Indonesia right? yeah so I remember him t- telling me the stories he goes you know I, it, it, I, he said I can't keep track of every single one of them so you know what yeah. I did he says you know I, I tried that I tried this out I just appointed one of them I say you right and you, 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 put all of you go into groups, okay? So they go groups of about five, five or six, five, five or six people only, okay? Then they appointed one person, you. You, I hold you personally responsible to make sure that these five people come back to the boat in three days' time. If Just you, delegation. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't bring them back on this boat yeah. in five days' time, I'm going to get you, right? You're the one that I'm going to, I'm going to ban from coming from Singapore, you know, for the rest of your life. You know, so that I, you know, so what you do is you split this, 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 this authority that you have as a liberation officer into even people who are actually the people you are trying to manage, right? They're the ones that you, know, you appoint a leader amongst them, and you give them accountability, you give them responsibility, you give them the sticks and carrots, right? Yeah. Well, actually, in this case, just sticks, right? And say, okay, you, that's that's your that's your job. So hello and behold, everyone came back on that shit three days later. Right? So delegation so, of responsibility, but also to teams which are manageable. So for yeah. for us, I think at BFM, we are, I always talked about sales. I always talked about breaking people got groups into groups yeah. of five or six people as much as possible um, to to manage things. So you see, you know, the morning run team. Yeah, morning run team is you know it started off with you know four, yeah. you know, three, four people, and yeah. then we we'll count out to seven, eight. I think that's already stretching it to a certain extent. Any bigger, then you just have to like shoot to split that into another two teams again, right? So most teams are built around sort of four or five people right now in BFM. So that's why I like it. That's why, in a way, I'm, I'm implementing something that was that was implemented in 1930s or 40s in yeah. um, in colonial Singapore. Then what about things like size? Because um, obviously BFM is still a, quite a small company it in is, the scheme yeah. of things. Yeah. Uh, 50 people, 60 people, 70 give now. or take, 70, right? Mm. And then you got the companies like, uh, I don't know, ExxonMobil with 200,000 people. Yeah. Um, what is your view on size and growth and, and you know exponential growth? What what do you feel about that? I have no idea about how to manage Exxon. No. Yeah. Not my not part of my sweet suite of skills. As an entrepreneur, how big should one get? I how would, small should one stay? Um, I would try to stay small as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's um it's weird, but I don't believe I, I, I don't get satisfaction from seeing a company that's that's big, right? So um, BFM is 70 people I feel like okay that's, that's BFM I, yeah. let's pass it to people who may, perhaps maybe can manage 70 people I yeah. can't manage 70 people because an American say right roughly speaking might come in and say well you know hey, look I, I run a, a very profitable radio station now let's go and buy one a year for the next five years and we'll be a seven station company by the year whatever whatever and we'll have like 10x revenue and 10x profits to me that's doable you buy some radio stations you you know you do organic growth right you buy some radio stations you can you have one and then you go sideways from there and you do all kinds of things yeah so that's not a problem for me right so so growing by 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 acquiring something then you know so long as you give you know sort of you are able to like give autonomy and accountability to to team leaders of yeah. those each of those radio stations, yeah. right? So that's not a, that's not a, to me that's not ExxonMobil, right? That's basically you're dealing with a you know a, 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 a quite almost like all right, you know the, you're a special purpose vehicle for you know this radio station, go for it, right? So yeah. that's you build another seventy people there, you build another fifty people here, sixty people there, and then you have team leaders for that, and you split them up. So in a way, it's still very very divisible, right? Um, yeah. So to me, um, so my problem is, is that when it comes to like, wow, you have, you know, you have two thousand people, 
right? Then it gets a bit. And then you have two thousand people all in one uh, one department or one you know so one area or one you know company. I'm like, well, I I wouldn't know how to how to manage that, right? Uh, yeah. I, it's not part of my suite of skills, you know. So. Yeah, you know, you'll never see me running a GLC for that for that for that matter. Yeah, yeah because I, I don't know how to I don't have those skills. So would it be true to say that you're the kind of of entrepreneur who likes to grow companies to a certain size, and then keep a, a suite of smaller companies that are highly profitable? Um, you don't want to become a conglomerate. Yeah. So so that's your definition of growth. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, going you know, for example, if you were to say to me, Malik, you know, um, there's a radio opportunity in Indonesia, I'll right. go for it, right? Okay. There's a radio opportunity in Vietnam, I'll go for it, right? Yeah. So, but but then you build it again, but then then you keep it, you keep it at that 50, 60 people. You have a, you have good country management. You have good good um, good. You know, um, yeah, and and so that that becomes. And then you talk to one person, maybe, yeah. maybe his or her team, and so on. So that's my way of growth. And so you know, but is it sort of, um, you know, go, you know, is it sort of vertically integrating so that we're doing everything? Nah, nah, that's that gets a little bit complicated for me. Yeah, um, and then you're a tech guy. You're a media guy. I know that for a fact. Um, and you're very very open to new ideas. So how do you read radio? Okay, it's just deep diving into mm. the industry right now. Mm. Radio's been around for over 100 years. Mm. I, I'm not sure whether Marconi is the first guy, but certainly it's been over a century old. And then you got online radio. So um, as, an, as an entrepreneur, how do you navigate new technologies versus old technologies? How do you read things? Yeah. Well, where are the markers in the sand? Yeah. So and the, the biggest challenge for radio is, yeah. not, um, is actually driverless cars. Okay. Right. And, and that's the and, big opportunity. And grab. No, I think that's the that's the That's the future? No, that's the that's that could be the death of radio that's when you have driverless cars. Yeah. Okay. Because you're sitting in a driverless car, what do you do? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, Chuang? When you're sitting in a driverless car? Reply emails, I guess. Reply emails, exactly. Right. What yeah. else? Read, sleep. Yeah. Sleep. Watch your video maybe. Mostly, yeah. Watch Play a game video. maybe. Yeah. Right? But no, I wouldn't because in the morning I'd be getting ready for work, and ah. the last thing I want is to be, you know, lulled into some kind of like <laughs> true. oblivion, yeah. right? Yeah, true. Good. So, so that's where I think the the challenge of radio is, and so where people have other things to do. Right now, there's a funnel. There's a beautiful funnel where you're in the car, you're stuck in a jam, you're driving yourself to work from you know from Banautama to KLCC, right? You're driving on the road. You can't really text. You can maybe at yeah. traffic lights and things like that. But but then what do you have? You have something called company. So you switch yeah. on the radio. It's hard to yeah. watch a video as well. Correct. It's hard to to. It's hard to do other things. So that's we have that funnel in the morning, in the evening, in some parts yeah. of the afternoon and yeah. so on. Right. So that's fine. But when you have driverless cars and you have and you have or, or if if everyone takes Grab for example, then you're sitting at the back. Then you can do your own thing. Then it then what happens is that it depends on your mood. In the evenings, you'll be watching a video on your way home, yeah, right? You, sure. you know, you won't be listening. Forget to radio by then. Yeah, yeah. Right? But on your way to work, if we do our jobs well, if we, if we do our jobs well, you still would want to hear something that connects you to your working life, to your work, to your what you're gonna do the do, do the thing, right? So if you're a responsible kind of person, you say, you know what, I'm going to work now. I'm gonna switch on my. I, I'm already in my work mode. I want to know what's going on. I need to keep up with the news to understand what's going on that impacts me. It makes me and what I need to talk to my talk to my team about. So on your way to work, hopefully, even with driverless cars, we still have an opportunity as radio to speak to you either yeah. through the through the car or through your through your app or through your phone. Doesn't matter. So uh, we, the fact that you want to feel connected to the community, we're able to deliver that. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to say is the minus for, for the, to me, the writing is on the wall for the future for radio once driverless cars come in, but we still have 
uh, albeit a more diminished role, we still have a role to play connecting you to the community. So if your worst fears are proven correct mm. and um, driverless cars does disrupt radio to its death, right? It might happen, you never know. How does the entrepreneur stay nimble to stay with the times and to make sure that he, is, he or she is not disrupted? Um, you know, one, 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 one possibility. How does one stay nimble? I mean, that's the management lesson here, right? So you could, you know, we, you know, by that time, we we hopefully we're involved in other projects that will yeah. bring this. So, yeah. um, you know, we you know we're going to video now, etc. There might be a different business model for yeah. podcasts and so on. Yeah. Maybe it's a question of curation, but there's also another another possibility, right? Get out before it, before it get, before okay. it dies, right? Okay. So that's the other possibility. That's that's how you be nimble. You say, All right now, I. I I, you know, it, it, this this thing is coming. The writing's on the wall. Yeah. Sell out. Go. You know, do what John Medeski did, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's an interesting notion. So a lot of people, are entrepreneurs, um, they never sell. They, they never build a business for, with a view of selling. Yeah, and I'm one of them. You're one of them. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because you get the pot of gold, right? I mean, for some people, the pot of gold is the be all and end all. I mean, you know. Um, it, so it, you're not you're, not a, you're whether, not a trade sale person. You're not a sell out person. Uh, it depends whether you are. If if Google comes to you now and says, Malay, I'm going to give you fifty million dollars US for Malay for for BFM, mm. you're not going to say no, are you? Of course, I'm going to say no. You sure. you are going to say no. Yeah. Why? Because there there is there is something there is something bigger than Google um, here, right? There's something about there's something about about having a part to play in this next phase of Malaysia, right? So that's bigger than. That's much bigger than fifty million dollars in terms of, in terms of value, right? And to me, it's like it's like to me, it's it's that's that's someone's life's work, right? So, it, it can't be. It's like what the Mastercard says. It's priceless. Right? So the lesson here is for some for some not all some entrepreneurs, the mission is is the goal, is the vision. Uh, the raison d'être is is the the, um, the fulfilling part about doing something which is. Worthwhile and meaningful to one's life and existence. Yeah. So, give an example. Okay. My club, my first classifieds business. Right? Okay. If Did you feel to, that passion for the business? Not really. You didn't. Yeah. So that was that was kind of like solving a problem. The passion was in being able to solve a problem. Right. Yeah. But if someone were to say to me, "Hey, my, you know, car- you know, version version three now, right?" So you had, you had, you had someone classifieds newspapers, and then you had uh, vertical classifieds like Job Street and and yeah. Property Guru and iProperty, and then you know, and then your car guys or Casum. Etc., and then you have your carousels coming coming to the, yeah. to the thing, right? Yeah. So, you know, so, if if that's the I mean, so carousel to come in and say, hey, you know, like we want to we want to buy KL classifiers, why we just in, in those days, I'm like, yeah, sure, go ahead, yeah. right number, go go for it, right? Because it's it's, it's, it's not part of your fabric. Yeah, but but BFM is different. Media is slightly different, right? Um, I don't think you know uh, you have to offer tong, you know, uh, you know, only on the edge, only on the edge, yeah. you know, the, um, the, the option uh, to buy his company, you know, I'm sure he had offers when he was going all out against uh, to mute him. I'm sure that he, yeah. I'm sure he had offers to sort of you know um, to to buy over the edge I'm sure it, yeah, and, and you know and someone in that position will say you know what why I'm not doing this for money man you know I'm not you know I'm doing this for I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing this for the country so, so there's a band of entrepreneurs who never ever sell out because it's just it, it defines them it is at least for me it's it defines why they're on this earth defines I'm not sure about that I think it's more not what it defines us but because there's a special thing about media 
right? Why is yeah? Why media though? Because you, you have an impact. You have an impact in sort of playing a part in shaping people's opinions. Right? Well, it's part of the reason why I do this as well. Because yeah. I want to, yeah, right. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm glad that you've done this, you know, with me. Yeah, and we, we do we we do feel a certain purpose doing it. Yeah, I mean, why else would we do it? Yeah, it, it can be quite thankless at times. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so I'm not. I'm not sure whether you turn around to say someone like MK or Kirex, right? Would you say you know you are the, the, the you are defined you are defined makers, yeah. yeah you are defined by the, this this industry or yeah. this business that you build. And they clearly uh, do it for the money. I'm not sure. I don't know, right? I, I but, don't know. Yeah, but yeah. I'm sure it, it's not so. You know, it's like you know, with, if if someone to come in and get, offer you ten times what the market price is for the thing, you'd be saying, "Oh yeah, sure," you know. Yeah. Whereas if someone were to offer me ten times what the price price of BFM, I'm like, so, do I still have work to do or not? Yeah. Do I still have yeah. work to do in terms of you know, sort of in terms of, you know, what 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 this phase of Malaysia? I, that's, I yeah. think there's still work to yeah. do. So. So you, I don't think you're that old, right? You've you've you're a very youthful guy, Malay. You uh, you keep yourself you're very well preserved. Thank you, Trump. <laughs> you always remind that every year. I appreciate that. You do. You know, you've got a full head of hair, and you're, you know, you're, you're not unattractive, right? Um, you can put it that and way. I, I'm not. I'm not that way inclined. But how much longer does one go? Does does one does one work until one one falls down? Or I mean, how, what I'm saying is, um, do businessmen ever ever give up the sword? Mm. At least for you. For me, yeah. Um, I think I'm. How much more years? So, for me. How many more years? Yeah. You know, so for me, I you know the, I'm actually not I, I you know in terms of, uh, I'm actually not at hundred percent right now. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm at, you know, seventy percent work, thirty yeah. percent family. Right? Yeah. Or eighty percent work, twenty yeah. percent family right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and the reason for it is I still have young kids. Yeah. Right. But the moment my young youngest, who is twelve years old now. The moment he has his own things to do and has his own life, which is probably in about maybe six, seven years, right? The moment he has that, I'm gonna go ramp up. Are you serious? Yeah. And you're gonna be a different vintage then, Molly. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna ramp up. Yeah. So, but maybe not necessarily in the entrepreneurial space, right? Yeah. Um, but maybe where, wherever I can help with, with with this, as I said, this phase of Malaysia, right? Yeah. Um, education is a huge thing for me. So, yeah. maybe ramping up, ramping up in that in that sector, right? So. So that's not necessarily as an entrepreneur, yeah. but, but as someone who, who cares about the education of the, of the kids in this country. Yeah. Right? So that's something. That's something you know, so, I'm, so I'm not sure whether you know, um, you've seen the last of me with, with the, the BFM and, and, and FI life, as yeah. we call our insurance yeah. entity, yeah. Is, is, is the last thing you'll hear from me. Right? So. The other segment of it, which is very, very interesting, which we haven't really touched on, is your investor side. Mm. Now, you, um, are, you're a very passionate investor. And I think, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you are either a real estate guy and or primarily an equities guy. You you know the share market. You analyze stocks. Nothing makes you happier than analyzing the stock and getting the call right. Hmm. I don't analyze the stock that hard, Chong. Okay, I just so, go. So for again, it. so what are the lessons there? Do I, you feel I, it? Yeah, I just go for the. Ma- I just go for the, the the big macro themes. The big macro themes. Uh, okay. The signals, right? I I, okay. I the best stocks to, for me to buy are ones which I have experienced. Uh, in some form or another. Give okay. you an example. Okay. Um, I was working for Maxis in um, year two thousand two, right? The the, the um, and I know what Maxis was like. You know, good so company. Maxis is a telco. It's Maxis a mobile is a telco. telco. Yeah, mobile telco, right? Okay. Great company. Um, you know, established processes. You know, um, ex- good execution and so on. But man, DG was faster, nimbler, under Telenor, right? 
faster and nimbler. We came up with, we designed SMS uh, price cuts. Um, we took a month and a half to design it, pre prepare the packaging, this and that. Okay, we're going to reduce our SMS from 15 cents to 10 cents, right? Put it out to market, right? The next day, DG came back with a better offer, five cents, right? The next day. That's not intuitive. That's just price cutting. I know. But what I'm trying to say is there was someone that was nimble. We took a month and a half, two months to figure this out. They did it within a day, right? So what I'm trying to say is when I was at Maxis, I knew that the, the player to the invest in the is actually Digi. Right? Okay. Right? So that's how I left. There's some industry experience. So lesson is you invest in what you know. What you know, one, right? So another so another example of that was Yahoo. I was working with Yahoo and then you know what? There were there were two thousand of us trying to do search word keywords, this and that manually. And Google's algorithm was doing it just like that. We were fighting against algorithm. The two thousand people we had Yahoo was fighting so against algorithm. Google, you don't buy Yahoo. So when I left Yahoo, I bought Google. Yeah. Right, so these are the things that f first is industry. Yeah, experience, bloody hell, Google right? would have done a little bloody well for you, right? Yeah. So same way, likewise, right now, yeah. right? So where are we, where uh, as a media person, I know that ninety percent of digital revenues right now in Malaysia are taken up by Facebook and Google. So what did I do? I buy. I got Google already, so I bought Facebook, right? So so these are industry experiences that you know as a player who are the who are the winners right now. Again, I'm in the media industry. I see Netflix. Netflix, wow, over really high valuations and all that. But suddenly, but do, you, do you still buy it fifty times? No, earnings? I don't. Why? Because then I know this game as a media person, right? Now I know that this game, that basically everyone's gonna get, everyone who is in the middle is gonna get arbitrage, Astro, um, you know, even. Yeah, you know, anyone, even HBO, to a certain extent. Yeah, Astro, all the all those guys who are platforms, distribution platforms, are gonna get just you know they're just gonna get um, swiped. Not swiped. No, basically, yeah, they, they're gonna be arbitrage, right? They're, yeah. gonna, they're out of the equation. So, so who do I go for? I go for Disney. Disney has Marvel. It has all the content you want, and they have they own sixty percent of Hulu, right? So what they're gonna do? They're gonna go direct. They're gonna go to direct consumers. They have everything. All they need is that distribution platform, which Astro used to provide them, and now they they can provide themselves. We can subscribe from here. Oh, okay, Geo Target. Da 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 da. Go go go. Subscribe to Disney, Disney in um in the US. Right. So for the novice equity investor who yeah. does not have the knowledge that you do, yeah, who has not got the industry knowledge that you do, do you outsource the decision to a professional fund manager? Not necessarily. Right. Anathema to some people. Or do you spend the time and, and carve out the, the part of your day to go and analyze stocks and analyze industries? Yeah, I would what is do, your advice? My advice is do a bit of do not necessarily fund manager. Yeah, you know, go, you know, just you know buy ETFs. You know, do what our our mutual friend Julian Julian Ng says. Go buy ETFs until you learn how to how to do. But this. then, but then there's a, there's a huge time bomb in ETFs if you believe the hyperbole, right? Okay, maybe yeah. So, but but there's there's companies like. That do for well at least go for something which is for passive investing, right? Yeah. So rather than active managers, you don't know who's going to perform yeah. better, right? Basically, you know, um, only twenty percent of fund managers do better. They don't. They're not the same names every year, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, until you you know let invest in those sort of passive passive type investments until you learn until you get your feet wet until you're a bit more you know sort of. You grow, you know. You start to learn, and you start making little sort of, you know, when you when as you're learning, you have, I say, okay, now if I had the gum, if I had the money right now, I would invest in this, and then you know, keep a keep a fairy tale stock portfolio, right? A yeah. fictional stock portfolio, but you do it. Go do yeah. go do it, and say, yeah. say I, I'm buying this. This is this. I have do what Tong does on the edge every 
every week, right? He has his portfolio. Do that as well. Do be look at your portfolio. Give yourself a hundred thousand ringgit and figure it out. Try try buy buy the companies and so on. Do that. Right? So learn and and see whether into your intuition slash experience yeah. slash knowledge as you come and grow older yeah. Yeah, gets there. So play so, play with those things. So if you're thirty one uh, and you're coming a bit of money because you're got you're starting to see higher salaries, you don't have a child, uh, you're quite risk um, lenient. Um, do you take a punt and do you take a punt on Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies? Mm-hmm. What do you think of those things? Don't buy Forget anything it. you don't understand. Don't right? buy anything you don't yeah. understand. I mean, there was a big Rule buzz. One. Yeah, there was a big buzz at there was a big buzz at BFM at one point in time, right? Yeah. Uh, amongst the the more tech tech savvy yeah. amongst us, right? Yeah. Saying, yeah. oh, let's buy Bitcoin. Da 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 da. I remember all talk was three thousand bucks or something now. Yeah. No? So you know, uh, and I remember going online, going. I remember those guys asking me, saying, you know, like Malik, are you going to invest in Bitcoin? I'm like. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm sorry. I really don't understand it. Yeah. Um, I know you mine for this stuff, and I know you yeah. need a lot of electricity to mine for this stuff. But it seems like, uh, what? But at the end of the day, the supply of this stuff is actually something I don't understand. I need to know the supply. Yeah. I know the demand, yeah. but I don't know the supply. Yeah. Where does the supply come from, yeah. right? And so you, and it's like buying. You know, and it does. It's, it's not generating a. It's not generating any operational income. You buy equities in a company. You buy Google. And every year, Google says, "All right, you know, I made, you know, I made X billion dollars dollars of profit. I'm gonna, you know, and and that's adding up to my share price. You know, so but that profit, there is a real profit with Bitcoin. It doesn't generate anything. Like Warren Buffett says, what does gold generate? It's just yeah. a store of value. It's just a place to. So you're not a gold guy. No, I'm not a gold guy either. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I, I believe that. I think I need to buy something that is productive that that creates income. Right, and companies create income. Good companies create good income. Warren Buffett also said that when everybody is uh, going zig, yep. you go zang, you yep. go contrarian. Yep. So to the, con- I can understand why there's a lot of confusion in there because everyone now is so negative on Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies. Some people might just say, "Hey, look, maybe now's the time to buy." Nope, don't, you so don't think you don't think so? No, he doesn't. No, no. Um, Buffett doesn't say. He, he doesn't talk about cryptocurrencies. No, he doesn't. He doesn't he say. He talks about going against the herd, though. Yes, right, but not no. But he do, he doesn't zigzag. He doesn't go zig and zag on Bitcoin. He doesn't go zig and zag when people go zag and he goes zig on 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 gold, right? He, he's he's a staunch anti-gold guy. So yeah. he do, he goes for equities, right? At the yeah. end of the day, or, or you know, convertible debt into equities, that kind of thing, right? So yeah, yeah so there was a moment, there yeah. was a moment in time, right? Yeah. So there was a moment right now. Look at Amazon, right? Do you believe Amazon on a macro thing is a great company? I think so. Yeah. I mean, so, look at the web so now, services, right? Crazy. Go, go buy Amazon tomorrow, right? One thousand six hundred US. They were they were trading about two thousand plus. You know, just about the US yep. per share is mad. Buy one lah. You can afford, you, you can buy, you can afford at least ten chuang that, that I know today in your bank account, right? So, so you know it's at two thousand six. It used to be two thousand something. If you believe in Amazon, you believe in Amazon taking the taking over the world. You, yeah. know, you believe in Jeff Bezos. You know, go for yeah. it, right? Well, there's another phenomenon there as well. He's a founder entrepreneur, right? Yeah. And founder yeah. entrepreneurs don't mess with. There are very few that you know. Don't mess with them. Yeah. Bill Gates was one of them. Yeah. Uh, Steve Jobs was one of them. Then people and you know Netflix. Uh, Reed right. Hastings was Reed one. Hastings, is is yeah. one one of yeah. them. So don't bet against them. And he's still young. Yeah. Um, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Incredible. Well, hey, hey, Malik, thank you for for doing this. It's been a real honor and privilege. I think what you said this will resonate with many young people. Yep. And, um, and yeah, it's been a pleasure to work with you, Chuang. We've been working together since. Yes, right. Yep. That's so right. you know, yeah, interesting for you to go what on this it? project for twelve years now, right? Is it eleven years? Yeah. I've known you. Ten years. Yeah. It's been a real inspiration, Malik. Thank you, mate. Likewise. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Chuang.